everybody, it's Andrew from Toon Talk Radio, where you can catch us this evening on www.toontalk.co.uk on all things Newcastle United, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, and obviously Amanda Staveley and the proposed takeover, and Rafa as well, uh, with regards to what happened at the weekend. Uh, remember, the number to call is 0191-538-9781, and you can also listen to us on any handheld device, just go to www.novaradio.com co.uk via Google Play and you can actually listen to us wherever you are in the country and the world uh, and of, afterwards you'll be able to listen to the podcast wherever you wherever you want to. Uh, well, obviously, uh, when it comes to Newcastle United, every week seems to be an interesting week, uh, especially with the loss at the weekend against Watford, where when Newcastle were really given a lesson from start to finish on uh, how to play football and how to the dynamics of the of the team were uh, again. We went with Joe Salou and uh, with with Gale. I actually did think this week with Gale scoring against Man United that we would actually play quite well. But you can't really affect the game when you 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 lose one of your best defenders in Jamal Lasales, which seemed to affect the whole team. We've lost Atsu as well, and lots of excuses can be made. But I think from start to finish, we were outplayed, uh, and that includes the manager. Um, my first guest this evening is one of my regular guests, and Steve Hasty from Newcastle's Fans Forum. Good evening, Steve. How are you? I'm fine, Andrew. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Well, we'll get, we'll get right to it. Um, before we get to it, I, you probably uh, heard the, the press conference which from Rafa, um, which I thought was really good, actually. Uh, um, he seemed very... Um, calm as as normal, but very uh, putting the putting the, the shoulder blame exactly where it should be. Yeah, absolutely, and quite rightly so. I mean, uh, it was a shocking performance all around, <clears throat> right across the team from goalkeeper uh, onwards. I mean, the, the back four looked like they'd never met before. Certainly, the front, the uh, the two centre backs. I think they, they, I got the impression. Anyone who had just arrived in St James's Park for the first time would have thought that they had arrived in the car park at some point uh, in the morning mm. as well, and uh, had and would just shook hands and said, "Hello, my name's So and So. How are you?" Because uh, they, they looked as though they had never ever been on a football pitch together. Um, full back, <clears throat> very very similar. Um, no communication across the entire back four. Um, midfield, you looked at uh, you looked at our playmaker. He gets himself booked in the first 10 minutes and uh, next thing you know, it's just Hollywood passes for the rest of the game from him. Uh, completely stifled his, his usual tackling ability. Um, he seemed to be making uh, strange runs, strange moves, um, pushing out onto the, onto the wing, uh, which I found very strange in the first few minutes of the game. Um, and then you and then you look at uh, the rest of midfield. You look at the army, um, who I thought you know some people thought had a good game. I thought he had a very very poor game. And um, the army has this ability when he gets the ball to turn into the area where there's no space, rather than the area where there is space. Where as a central midfielder you can you can you know and have an effect because uh, that's the one thing that you're often lacking in the centre midfield. And uh, he seems to turn into trouble every single time. And I thought that uh, Richie. Again, 
for about the third or fourth game, had a very, very quiet game uh, by his standards. And uh, when Richie's not ticking, then nothing ticking, ticks down that there, uh, right or left-hand side, depending on uh, where Rafa ends up playing him. And uh, young Murphy was, yet again, I thought, uh, at times looked like a rabbit caught in the headlights. Um, should I mention the front two? I think everybody knows the type of performance the front two put in. Uh, probably not worth talking about, Andrew. <laughs> it, it was weird. But I, obviously, when I was watching it, it's like they weren't there. Uh, I think the front... This, this is the problem, isn't it? It's, um, I think when it comes to... you know, Obviously, the people have been talking about Mitrovic and the fact that he's not in his plans, which I, I completely get. If he, you know, he hasn't been in his plans for a while now. But... To me, just the, the fact that the team have lost the, the players that normally play every week. You know, you've got Lascelles, you've got Atsu. I think there's another one, I can't remember his name now. But um, it, it, you take you take Lascelles out of that team, they just come across that, at least against Mayonnaise, we, we look good in the, in the first 30 minutes. And I, I, a lot of people were worried about the fact that you know, Silva is quite a good manager, uh, but their players, when it when it comes to, you know, playing the ball, playing the ball to each other, and knowing what to do, um, one player who's the captain, it it shouldn't have that that much of an effect. But the fact that you don't, you're not changing the front line, and like, I, do, I, do you agree? I I think agree. I think I, I, Gale should have started for sure. I, I don't think. I don't think it was a fault of the front line as such. I think, no. well, you know, we've had a clambering for playing four four two for weeks now, mm. when Rappers been playing four five one and keeping it tight. The last few games he's played four four two against Manchester United in the first twenty minutes. It looked like it was working because we scored early doors. Uh, Gale scored a very good goal. Could have had a second, and people began to say, "Oh, you know what? It's it's working. It's working." But it, it's not working. Not with the style of football, and. I, I didn't think I would be saying this, but Rafa was outthought on Saturday yeah, yeah. Uh, by Silva as a manager. And uh, when it, when when their second goal went in, and then the start of the second half, we were in a situation where they suddenly went to a back three and in a five-man midfield and kept the two up front. Rafa didn't react to that until about the, seven, the 65th minute, and um, by which time the game was was long gone from us. So it was never, you know, it wasn't as though we were piling the pressure on and we had them with our backs to the wall although there was there was times when if we had have done that you got the impression that that they could have they could afford it but we didn't have the guile we didn't have the intelligence on the pitch and and, and sadly we didn't have the ability off the pitch to make the the vital and decisive decisions that might have changed the game uh, the whole idea that of us playing two up front and them feeling confident enough to play three at the back because they were tuned out up uh, completely swamped the midfield which you know our midfield wasn't working anyway andrew you know um, yeah. we were all over the place we were we were shot uh, completely in midfield completely dominated cleverly had a great game um and then up front the movement was great um and and, the, and they picked us off at will it could have been six or seven that's the mm. embarrassing part of it andrew it could have been mm. six or seven and if it had been six or seven we would have walked out that ground saying, you know what, they deserved it. Because they would have deserved six or seven if they'd put their chances away. Mm. Yeah, but I think uh, it, was, it, was that, it was that bad. And uh, obviously Rafa, like, it's probably the first time, like, like you said, it's the first time he, he's been 
outthought and didn't seem to like I I thought at half time for sure he's gonna bring on he's gonna bring on two players straight away and it was like you know what the game's gone I'm just gonna let them play and I I'm, I'm, I was absolutely stunned but I think yeah. the fact that he's you know I, I I think the only excuse I can give is that he is he has lost two players that in the team that are you know out, especially with Lascelles. He, he gets everybody going, doesn't he? He, gets a, he, he commands well, the box. And... Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's what you want from mm. from someone on the pitch. You want a voice. You want someone who can be heard. You want someone who, who then shakes it. Well, that's what we ended up with. We ended up with Richie having strops with Manquillo, for example. Mm. Um, and Richie having, having pointing his finger at, at people when you're thinking, oh, hang on, mate, you should have been back covering and defending yourself, you know? We had we had a situation where Clark was having a go at Manquillo, and you thought, you know what? You let the ball go straight across the front of you. You weren't defending. The gap between you and, and your your central defensive partner was like forty yards, not mm. four yards. You know, yeah. you, you you weren't connected in the game, and we saw that against Manchester United, where the where they were, they were sadly lacking at the back, lacking in communication, lacking in savvy. I thought Lejeune had probably the worst game we've seen him play in a black and white shirt. But it, there was something strange about the whole setup on Saturday, Andrew. I mean, even yeah. at half time, as as Craig Hope, who I think you've had on the show yeah. before, mentioned in, yeah. in his in his column, um, the players came out at, at, at half time. To, you know, the substitutes just to warm up, and you had the West, you had the, the Watford fans with their coach, and they were doing shuttle runs, and they were doing warm ups, mm. and they were doing proper movement, and mm. you know they were being they were being pushed and shimmied around and you know it looked like there was a plan and it was organized and our seven came out with a ball and just started tapping it about among themselves and having a bit chat and a bit giggle mm. you know uh, that was strange that was really really strange whether whether rafa had his coaching team in the in the in the changing rooms who would normally be out there maybe mm. maybe he had them because he was giving them all a rollick you know he wanted messages to be sent right across from goalkeeper back for midfield and attack i don't know but I found that very, very strange, and the, the subdued nature of them on the line, um, the lack of the coaches on the line at times. Normally, we see we, we see a number of them getting up, mm, sending true. signals, and that. And it, 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 the whole the whole game seemed very flat to Newcastle on Saturday. And mm. whether there, whether there's something off the pitch affecting people, yeah, I'm not too get... sure. But uh, yeah, you know, there was yeah. there was certainly a lot of disjointed uh, activity. Uh, both well, on and off the pitch on Saturday that uh, I think uh, led, leads us to believe that there was something else uh, going on, quite personally. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm go- oh, I, you'll probably be able, be able to understand this, but I'm, I'm going to bring in my next guest when it comes to fi- finances, when it comes to the, the Amanda Stavely. Uh, hopefully it's not bad news what's going on, but, but I'm going to bring in my next guest, uh, uh, Steve. Uh, it's David Book, impetuous and humble commentator, for Premier Gordon and Co on global financial issues, deeply and irre- I can't even say the word. Deeply and irrevocably committed to City of London. Good evening, to you, David. How are you? I'm fine, Andrew. Greetings to you. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I've got uh, Steve Hasty in the studio as well uh, Hi, from Newcastle Fans Forum. Hi, David. Well, listen, you lads. I mean, just to let you know exactly where I stand. Yeah. The very first game of professional first division football I ever watched was between Newcastle United and Wolverhampton Wanderers on the 19th of March 1955 and I can reel off 
the Magpies team for you virtually, and I was in love with Newcastle, even though I'm a Londoner from that day onwards. So, having looked at the uh, Fulham scoreline, the next scoreline I look at is always Newcastle. My three kids were at university there. I think it's the oh, most right. wonderful town. I think you're fabulous people. Now I'm going to be rude to both of you. Your team's not, your team's not good enough, and I think and I think Rafa's done a phenomenal job when the purse strings are just not there to do justice to one of the great cities of the world and one of the great supporters and one of the great clubs and St. James's Park, you need to better than that. So we need this deal between Amanda Stavely and all Middle Eastern investors or Far East investors mm -hmm. and Mike Ashley to come off big time and very quickly because the worst thing that could happen to Newcastle, as far as I'm concerned, would be for Rafa to take a stroll. And that would just put you under the most enormous amount of pressure. Correct me if I'm right, but it's four games now without a win. And I'm moving very uncomfortably from one cheek of my backside to the other. I'm not comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't agree ahead. more with you, David. And, and bearing in mind the, the, what you say about our first team squad, do you think that uh, rumours of, you know, 300, 350, 380 million, do you think that? That is overpricing Newcastle? Do you think Newcastle's really Absolutely more... Absolutely not. Than what? Let me explain you why. I've, listen, first and foremost, I need to let you know, I don't know Mike Ashley from a bar of soap, but I have followed <laughs> the way that he's he run Sports Direct. He's a very, very uh, forceful character. Amanda Stavely, in a slightly more sophisticated way, is a very similar character. They both know exactly how many beans made for and they both know what represents value for money. Now, if Mohammed Al-Fayed sells little old Fulham to Shahid Khan from the United States for 200 million pounds with no debt, and you're going to tell me that Newcastle United is not worth 375 million or so with something like 129 million quid's worth of debt, I don't believe it, because you've got the most fabulous catchment area. We know that you know, a crowd of whatever you guys are, 52, 54,000 every week, it's not going to pay the bills. But at least it's going to attract international support. And if Amanda Stavely and or her people are going to step up to the plate, they at least want to know that the club is a fabulous club. And as far as I'm personally concerned, that Mike Ashley uh, has received a lot of criticism because he hasn't really produced money for the club because he's had a very volatile time so that you guys understand if you don't already know i mean um as far as i can remember now uh sports direct share price has come down about 40 percent in the last 18 months so that seriously damages um his value also you've had a fact that he's had investments in uh how can i put it unrealized profits in various companies whether it's debenhams where he's taken a bath mm -hmm. on that and one two other bits and pieces so He's a very, he, he never panics. He knows exactly what he wants. And he has got a very good business brain. And he is not going to give this club away. And I think he'd be mad to. I mean, since, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the BT have stepped up to the plate, the difference between now, I think I'm right in saying it's something close to a million pounds for a televised home game. Mm, yeah. And you nip down to the championship where I am, and it's about 70 grand. Yeah. And so, you know, we're talking about big bucks. And for Amanda Stavely to suggest to Mike Ashley, well, if you don't make it through, uh, you know, we want some of our money back. Dream on. 
because this is, as far as I'm concerned, you know, one of the great clubs, one of the great cities, as far as I'm personally concerned, Newcastle United, Birmingham City, Aston Villa, and Leeds United, it's a complete disgrace that those four, that only one of those clubs is in the Premiership at the moment, because these are the major cities of the United Kingdom, and they should have representation in the Premiership. So if I were Mike Ashley, I'd be, body language is everything, you fold your arms, you smile like a Cheshire cat, and just say, come on, Amanda, don't mess me about, because... What he's done, from what I gather, which I think is very sensible, he's, he's prepared to be flexible. Yeah. I think he might take payment over three years, say 125 million a year for the next three years. Um, you know, so it's not as if he's, how can I put it, not malleable at all, from what I gather. A lot of this stuff is down to rumour, but yeah. I have reason to believe it. Just comparing Fulham against Newcastle United, it's no, it's a no-brainer. The, the Fulham own their football ground as well, David, because obviously yeah. Newcastle don't own theirs. Yeah, but we, they've, got we, no planning, they've got no planning permission, Steve. That's right. I mean, so you, we can't, you know, it's not about saying we own the football ground, but the People's Republic of Hammersmith and Fulham just went let them develop it. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a waste of space. Um, yeah. that if, if you can get planning permission, hallelujah, then there would be worth an awful lot more. But... When, before Fahed sold the thing to uh, Shahid Khan, I mean, he tried for about three years. And then, when, of course, we put in that extra stand and we all drifted down to Loftus Road for a couple of years. That's right. Um, but, we, but we never got it. And so uh, that's, that's, that's the problem. You have, I mean, you're a jewel. And he's but, we don't, but, we, but we don't own it, David. We don't own the ground. Mm-hmm. The, ground is, the ground is owned by the freemen of the city. Uh, that's one of the, one of the issues, I, I think, Possibly that people don't don't realise. You know, we've got a, we've got the freedom. We've got the, the freemen of the city who own the own the football ground, and it's controlled on on their behalf by the city council. So Newcastle United don't even own their own football ground. Don't. So in terms of real estate, it's not a, a particular good catch, is it? I understand you, but on the other side of the coin, can you imagine the human outcry if somebody took Newcastle United away from the city of Newcastle? There'd be absolute uproar. Mm. I mean, I'm a great racing fan. And um, over the years, up until about 10 years ago, my company used to sponsor a lot of races, and a lot of them were at Gosford Park. So I used to go up to Gosford Park, and were, I was devastated that apart from, you know, Northumberland Plate Day, the, 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 the race course is empty, about 2,500 people. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the guy that, uh, at Newcastle, saying, what on earth is this all about? And he just says, the people of Newcastle are interested in one thing, <laughs> the football club. Yeah. And, if, and I'm saying, well, you've got companies like Sage up there, and in those days, don't laugh, but you had Northern Rock in those days, you know, and the rest yeah. of it before then. And you're telling me that they're not going to sponsor stuff. And he said, whatever money's around, my friend, it goes to Newcastle United. And I, I respect that. So Mike Ashley, you may not love him to pieces, but he knows exactly how many beans for, and he's done, he'll have done his homework. And if he's not done it himself, he'll have got other people. But the thing is, though, David, when you look at the commercial activity that takes place at Newcastle United, in, compare, in comparison to probably other than Sunderland, most of the Premier League teams that were around last season, we are way, way behind in commercial terms of what, what, the, what the club has generated but, you know, during the period when it was in the Premier League. 
um, compared even to the, to the period of time in the Premier League under the Sir John Hall and the Freddie Shepard era. Freddie so, Shepard, yeah, I know. But yeah, he's never, he's never really exploited the commercial activity of the football club. He, he's, of course. he's very much used it as a tool to, to push his own um, sports direct uh, material around the football ground. You know, other than no, that's sports, not good enough. That's not advertised there, you know? Yeah, but you're always against sports direct. I'm afraid you're always going to be on the subs bench, Newcastle. I mean, it's just the way it is. Oh, and yeah. that's why that's why it's extremely important that we get a deal done through here so we get total commitment from somebody who actually understands the whole ethos of football and Absolutely. what it's all about and gets the kind of backers who understand that actually that it doesn't have to be a bottomless pit where you just spend money and get nothing back for it. Is that if you are actually sorted out in what you actually have to do to give the commercial value to the company, by the, the football club, this is, can be something you know, that's very exciting. I mean, when you think about it, there are only really about five or six clubs in the Premiership who've got any guaranteed chance of making money. I mean, if you, one of the, com- the clubs I, I respect enormously as a business, I don't like their style of football, is Stoke City. I mean, they've done amazingly well because they've got football people there, and they understand it. And even though they're never going to win anything apart from a cup, the way that they run that thing, that club, as I understand it, unless I'm out of date, it's got very little debt. And it's run properly by passionate people. You know, Bet365, the, the chairman there. I mean, he's, he, he's a football man. And that's what Newcastle need above everything else. But, but isn't Stoke one of those football clubs, David, though, that relies so heavily on on the, the family and, and 365. I mean, eight, I think it's 82% yeah, of yeah. Stoke's turnover is spent on, on salaries. You know, there's very, very little spare capacity. And I think for a, for a That's football club so. in the long term to be spending that amount of money, you know, that compared to what they're bringing in, on, on simply that, with, with little commercial activity to, that's why, to pull back that's on. Why, but that's why I've got so much respect for them. I mean, what you hit the nail on the head. Now, what I'm saying is, that the scope at Stoke is extremely limited. But the Stoke at Newcastle is... Uh, sorry, the, the um, scope at Newcastle yes. is far from limited. Yeah, right. And, and I think what you'll find with, with the vast majority of... Well, probably 99.999% of Newcastle fans, that they get that and they, they understand exactly what's required and, and what yep. new owners can bring and what... And you know what I, I mean? Sorry, One other thing I'd like to chuck in for you is, which because it's not that far from me, and you may not be deeply and irrevocably in love with them, but Amanda Stable is a Yorkshire lass, yeah. and she's not that far from Newcastle. I mean, she probably her home is probably about seventy miles from Newcastle, and she will have some affinity for that part of the world. And I think she will understand, even though she'll put in what I call a management team that will run it for her, from whether it's Rafa Benitez up to the managing director and the business partner. Because A, she's not a fool, and B, she knows what it requires to get the thing going. So, so why, do, why do you think that Mike Ashley decided not to do this? That's why, no, I, as, as such a businessman, I can't understand why Mike Ashley hasn't been able to grab the level of Newcastle, He's, you know? It, in my opinion, I just said, I don't know the guy. I think he bought it as a toy to start with. It yeah. sounded like good, it was cheap, whatever it was, 137 million, whatever he paid for it a decade ago. And it sounded fun, and then he kept putting Joe Kinnear in and out and all kinds of other strange people. You know, I mean, I couldn't, get, couldn't understand that at all. I mean, Alan Pardew, I'm sure he's a good football man, but he's not a northern bloke. 
or is he is he somebody from you who's got an international flavour like Rafael Benitez, who's won it all from the European Cup to the last week? These clubs need the respect of people who are going to be able to actually do something with you. And you know, if you don't a have affinity, then for God's sakes, be an international person with a track record of huge success. I don't want you to lose your manager. I think we need to get this deal done. Yeah, we don't want to lose them either. And we want the deal to be done. <laughs> no two ways about that one. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the, obviously lots of things have been coming out, David, you know, especially when the, the first bid went in. Now, according to sources, you, like I, you, obviously you read the Financial Times and you read the, the, the Dubai paper, the National uh, I've been looking at more and more. Uh, they're trying to say it was around 250 million, not the. They keep on saying 300, but I, I obviously you would know better than me. But no, the thing is, I wouldn't. You see, I wouldn't know better than you for the following reason, Andrew: is that Newcastle United is a private company because mm-hmm. Mike actually owns all the shares. So I don't know what the hell he's done or what's what, how, when and why and, you know, how much debt and what sort of debt it is and the rest of it. All I can do is make an assumption mm-hmm. and a guesswork. And, you know, if anybody's listening to this program, they could put the phone down and say, what is that jerk from London talking about? He doesn't know what he's on about, you know, which, which is possible. But all I'm just saying is I think I recognize an asset that has value. And if you're comparing it to other clubs, and the kind of money that the Chinese have recently spent all over the country, whether it's Southampton or various other places, there is plenty of money around. And these people want these big clubs for a springboard to get their own uh, marketing and their own brand uh, spread all over China or all over the Middle East or wherever it might be. That's why if he doesn't do a deal with Amanda, Amanda doesn't deal with ordinary people. She deals with people who've got humpbacks carrying it all the way to the bank, crying with wealth. And so I, I'd be very, very comfortable. If it, if, if it doesn't go through, all I can say, gentlemen, there's something wrong. Um, and for that, you know, you'd have to forgive me because I don't know the real story. Yeah. I think when it comes to the, the fact that she's put in, you know, it's said about, well, if Newcastle go down, You've got to pay a certain amount of money. Every time we've looked at a, every time Mike Ashley has done a deal, um, probably the one thing I've not, we've all noticed is that um, he could be interested in taking over completely Debenhams. Um, is that something that could be the motivating factor from to decide? Listen, I'll take the money from that and, and put it in the Debenhams and get out, get out of Dodge. No. Um... The, the danger of going down um, is that she's again a businesswoman, and there is a chance. I mean, I, I don't think Newcastle will go down, but I'm not overly comfortable with where your position that's happened in the last month or so, and also the fact that say, I think your squad has no depth, um, and in the modern day game, you have to have depth. And I think Rafa's behaved brilliantly in the fact that he hasn't moaned and groaned too much because I think he knows at the end of he knows what he's potentially sitting on. That's why he hasn't thrown his toys out of the pram, in my opinion. And I think he's giving uh, Ashley every chance to get the thing sold, to get it on a proper footing of somebody who really understands and sees the scope. Because all Ashley says is, I'm not not a bottomless pit for money. 
and against um, you know the Arabs or against Chinese money. Ashley may be a very wealthy man, but he's nothing like as wealthy as he was five years ago. Um, and he's nothing like as wealthy as some of these people from the Far East and the Middle East. And yeah. therefore, yeah. he's not prepared to throw his dough around um, yeah. in the manner that I'm afraid if you really want to challenge in the premiership, you've got to, ha- you've got to stand there and you've got to deliver. David, when, in, in, from your business perspective, from your knowledge of how the market works, what, what would the next stage be? Yeah. Obviously, we, we have an offer that's been made. Supposing that Mike Ashley and, and PCP uh, Capital Partners were able to, to come to an agreement. We, 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 we're hearing words like exclusivity, a period yeah. of exclusivity. How, do, how does a, a deal like this finally, finally come to fruition once you've agreed the the overall price, but not the nitty-gritty and who takes away the team. It doesn't take any time at all because all his advisors, his financial advisors, will have had the drains up with the books at uh, Newcastle. And I'm sorry, Amanda Stavely's would have had the drains up with the books. So they'd be yeah. able to move very, very quickly. I mean, everybody knows that we need to get into that uh, January date with some money in our hand to get some decent players in the book for Newcastle. Exactly. So you, have, you haven't got any time. So you've got, what, five or six weeks. Um, you know, and the show's got to go on their own. I mean, Rafa and others can't go around the clubs, you know, seeing how people are placed in the hope that the money come, might come out. We need to know exactly what the form is so that you can get to get to work, so that the club can get to work. Yeah. Do you think a deal could be done by, in, that, in that time scale up to, say, Christmas, giving us enough opportunity yes. to spend in the transfer window? Yep. Heavens above, yes. If they agree it, definitely. Because as I say, she does not deal with members of the ordinary people, uh, you know, on the street. She deals with very rich people, and all her contacts are immensely rich. She's a very clever person, and she knows exactly what she's doing, and she she understands value. What do you think she's doing up there, you know, for, been supposedly interested for some weeks now, mm-hmm. unless she knows that there is something that actually is quite exciting? Yeah. Well, she's going to get it cheap, isn't she? Because she she did the deal uh, for Man City, and they that was probably less than one forty, was it? Well, I think it was less. It was eighty thousand, eighty million, wasn't it, for no, Man no, City? I think I think Manchester City deal was in was in the two hundreds, Andrew. Two hundred was it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, listen, that deal was done before BT stepped up to the plate. All the money's way up from where it was. You know, you you can't compare apples and pears, in my opinion. Because, you know, I mean, BT, what have they, what have they chucked in? Something like a billion or a billion and a half mm-hmm. into the pool for the premiership and their share yeah. of it and the share of the, um, you know, Champions League and all mm-hmm. the rest of it. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you're overseas Sky money as well, more. David, yeah. For yeah. Sky to pay more for the money for the, for the game. Uh, yeah. You can't compare, Matt, I mean, a couple, what was it, nine or ten years ago? that Manchester City was bought? It was quite a long time ago. Yes, around about 2008, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a. Have you actually met, ever met Amanda? Is she good company? Don't know. Don't know. For I don't know all I just know by just I know by repute, and uh, uh, nobody's said to me a bad word. You know about her. Says she's smart. She's she's a very clever girl, um, and that she's a smart businesswoman and she's got great charm as well. You'd have to, because you know you would not as a woman have the kind of contacts that she has. Um, with Arabs, unless you were something pretty special. Yeah, I think probably the only issue a lot of people seem to be saying that it probably doesn't matter too much. But 
Um, I thought the most interesting thing was from our perspective, which is which is a good thing, which uh, Neil Mitchell, uh, my co-host in um, Dubai, uh, brought up, that Chris Mort from Freshfields um, is helping Amanda with the financial side of it, which was interesting for us because he was well liked here. Is that is that what you've heard as well? Well, I mean, she doesn't deal with second-class financial or legal advisors. I mean, Freshfields is one of the top three lawyers in the country. And above all else, when you're talking about international law, um, there's no finer uh, city in the world than London for, for, for breeding, you know, top-class lawyers. Yeah. And if Freshfields are on the case, you, uh, you, you, if it were me, I'd feel very, very uh, reassured. Yeah. yeah David, can, can I, can I just ask David, have you, have you heard anything of, uh, of any other bidders being in? Any yeah. other possibilities no. or anything no. like that? Or does the city feel as though this is it? Is the, Amanda is the only show in town? No, I, I just feel that because um, he wouldn't be, my casualty, from what I hear, the easiest person to deal with. I think once you've got his confidence, mm-hmm. um, I think he is, uh, you know, people say that he is quite an easy person to deal with, but I think. You know, um, when you've been, how can I describe it, somewhat of an unorthodox maverick, is that fair? I think probably yeah, it is. Yeah, I think that's being generous. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, that some people perhaps wouldn't be entirely comfortable, um, you know, when he's shown no, you know. It's only really that, what is it, you guys would know better than I am, but it's what, the last nine months he's been shown a slight level of disinterest? Well, I think on and off over a period of, of the 10 years of his tenure, he slipped from from being totally on board to disinterested about four or five times. I mean, <laughs> you look at the Keegan era and at the, the time when all of a sudden, when after he sat Keegan, he decided the club was up for sale. We know that the club was also up for sale in 2011 and, and I'm aware of, of bids that were put in that were originally accepted and then uh, the bids were withdrawn because of how he was dealing with the, with those particular bidders. Um, he, he then went through a phase where he decided it was definitely not for sale until we won something and then all of a sudden uh, we're back up for sale again. So I think you know, I, the weather changes just as much as Mike Ashley changes up here at times, David, when it comes to Newcastle United and what his intentions are my, for them. And my, 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 own, my own guess is mood would be entirely geared to what the um, sports direct share price is. Yeah. Um, do, do, yeah do, you think he's, do you think he's looking at some point in time to, to bring sports direct out of public ownership? Do you think uh, that would be? No, I mean, no. When you look at the share price dropping to, in the manner that it has? Because obviously no. he's had an awful lot of... Some would suggest, no, I don't actually. Um, I think he's um, realizes that he's had issues with corporate governance, um, yeah. big big ones, and yeah. he needs to reassure people um, that the corporate governance is fairly transparent now, and that the kind of stuff that went on in Derby at the warehouse and the rest of it is hopefully somewhere near a thing of the past. Yeah. Um, because otherwise it would be quite difficult for him to expand his business um, and sort of get things done or change it. He needs to be in the full eye uh, of the press. He can't afford to go back into sort of private uh, ownership without yeah. having, because if you if you go back into private ownership, I mean, here we are talking openly about a man I know nothing about, apart from what I read and makes him <laughs> smile and laugh. Um, you know, he must be, I don't know, what, 56 now? 
How many more years does he want to go on doing it? Um, you know, and if you haven't, you're not a public company, you're going to be very difficult to sell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think um, I, 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 I hear what you're saying there. It's just, I think, obviously, what I mean, everyone in Newcastle is wondering why he suddenly changed his mind and put us yeah. up for sale. And then having put us up for sale, um, why things aren't moving. And I think you know, we, we all know very, very little about the world of finance. We know plenty about the world of football, David, but unlike you, we, you know, we, we know very, very little about how the world of finance works. And it's great to hear from someone with your knowledge who can... Uh, impart on us uh, even a, a modicum of, of what you know. <laughs> but you see, look, you've got his market capital down. It's down to 2.6, 2 point, just over £2 billion. Pounds. Yeah. Now, it's not that long ago, um, looking at the share price, which it was, so five years ago, uh, the share price was just short of a tenner. Yeah. It was £922, pounds, so it's now down at 379 so at one point, you know, and if he's got a pretty high percentage of his Ports Direct was had a valuation of somewhere around um, about six billion pounds, just slightly under five. Now that's a that's a big drop. It's coming back down to the price that it was when he bought it, isn't it, or when it was floated? When it was floated three hundred, yeah, three three thirty p. If I remember, yeah. so it's been right. Yeah, so it's getting close to that. Um, but, uh, but he's bought, he's bought and sold some stuff as well. Remember, he doesn't own it all, but he owns a big chunk of it. You know. Yes, and he's bought an awful lot of brands since. He, since in fact, he's according to according to the book, worldwide, hasn't he? Yeah, according to the book that I'm looking at now, he owns sixty-one percent of it. So it's a lot. <laughs> it's um, a lot. For, it's a lot to be owned by a, a company that is in public ownership, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because hmm. he's just started um, opening up a sports direct in Dubai. Uh, does he have a? Does he, he has a bit of um, Dick Sporting Goods as well in yeah, the US. Does, yeah. So is but is that just a little piece or is he looking to? You never quite you know, know with him. It's you know he, he's. A, I, I have actually, funnily enough, I mean I've never met him and I know he's got himself into lots of hot water. But as a, a man who understands retail, I've got quite a lot of respect for him. Uh, you know he's, yeah. he knows what he's doing. Um, and, you know, he does get things wrong and, you know, we've seen this and we've seen, if you look at a graph of the sheriff's prices up and down, you know, like a cork in a bath. Yeah. So we're not having a very good time. But the one reason why I think this could go through, and this is nothing to do with my cash deal or nothing to do with Sports Direct, is we're going into a system now in 2018 where retail may not be that good because, as we know, yeah. There's less disposable income around for people. They've got less of their money to spend every day on, you know, luxuries or in clothing or whatever else it is. Now, even though sports directors are kind of thing, stack them high, sell them cheap and awful, you know, shops, it doesn't matter. It's still very effective. I mean, I, I use sports direct all the time. Even a geriatric like me goes in there and buys, <laughs> you know, stuff. And, you know, it's good value. I think... Um Actually, the astonishing thing I found when I, when I saw your interview on Sky and the, the way that you put it uh, about Amanda Stavely, I, I actually did think, obviously I, I now know that you don't know him, but I did think he would get in touch in some respects just to sit down with you and, you know, just to give you a, an, eye, you know, an insight into what he's like, um, you know, when it comes to deals, because, you know, he's, 
Um, I'm sure he's a very interesting fella. It's just to me probably the, the easiest club to to bring money to and uh, do it properly and really make something of it. To me, would it be an English owner who got his heart in the right place and somebody that would really just think, you know what, this is this is this is a monster of a club. And that's the thing that really upsets people is that he doesn't. You know, we we don't know how much he's took out the club, really, do we? So yeah. that's the problem, and I think it's a lot. But uh, you may be right. We, but I, I mean, Steve I just say about that the thing is that uh, you, you, that's why you need somebody who's going to come in, not mess around with the price, mm. pay him something that attracts him, and when the books are you know opened up, that everybody's happy with it and can see. You need imagination to buy Newcastle. I mean. When you're as old as I am, you, you, you remember what the great days were back in the 50s and the things like that. So, you know, and you remember the days of Malcolm McDonald and all the other things. That, I mean, we'd like, I'd like to see those back again. It's awful. But, you know, OK, you had a bit of a run with Kevin Keegan and, and mm. you know, one or two others. But you're not, you know, you're not quite what, you know, Alan Shearer and the rest of it. You're not quite what you were, if I may be, without being rude. No. Yeah, and yet oh, yeah. we still turn up, David. We still turn up. With <laughs> in your droves. Every, you in know. your droves. You're wonderful. Exactly. You're wonderful. We must be mad. <laughs> no, you're not. You're perfect people. Listen, guys, I, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to fly on you. I'm afraid. No, sorry. Don't worry. Thanks very much. Neil will be disappointed he's missed you because he's been trying to get through so, from Dubai. Um, so. Oh well, I'm really sorry. Forgive no, me sorry, anyway. He can't get in at the moment. He's had problems with his internet. So David, it's been a, been a pleasure to listen to you. And, and uh, lovely and talking to you guys. Steve Thanks, and David. It's been a pleasure, Thank man. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. No problem. Love Bye it. Bye. Thanks Thank so much. Cheers. Well, what a great chat, eh? Great to get an insight, Andrew, to, uh, to someone who knows how the city operates. And, mm, yeah. and, and even though he doesn't know the personalities involved, he can give you a, a great insight into how things are working. And... Uh, it's interesting as well that he said, you know, what he's saying about the, the value of the football club, mm. you know, uh, get, just get a deal done because you will increase that value tenfold, I sort of imagine. I, th- I don't think he actually said that, but I think that's what he was implying, wasn't he, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, you, you know, the, the, the value that the football club might be when you buy it, it'll be incidental compared to what, you can, what that club will be worth when, when it starts to take off with, with the level of support you can give it and with the support that you're going to get from from the fans and the way that you can use the football club to generate income mm-hmm. through um, sponsorship and through incoming money uh, mm-hmm. from advertising and revenue um, and all of the other you know international um, opportunities that will come come their way whoever does get involved so I think yeah talk talk about my talk about um our Dubai neighbours, um, I'm finally be able to bring in uh, Neil Mitchell, my co-host. Good evening, Neil. Evening, Andrew. Sorry about the delay, mate. That's all right. It's all right. All right. Well, I've had Steve doing a uh, tremendous job oh, with uh, David. It's amazing stuff. I'm sorry I missed it. I've been doing some stuff on Dubai Eye over yeah. here tonight. And then um, when I got back to the office, the bloody internet was down in the building, which happened uh. here. As you but I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry so much, Neil, because apparently you can hear it all back on uh, podcast. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, well, there you go. Fabulous. Not that I ever listened to the podcast. Oh. <laughs> it was, I must admit, though, just listening to David, uh, Neil, it was like his insight on, on, you know, when it comes to Amanda Staveley and the takeover, um, mm. you know, the, the fact that um, when it comes to 
when it comes to Mike Ashley, he has ne- he's never met a Mike Ashley, which surprised me. Did it surprise you, Steve? It didn't actually, because the, yeah. uh, knowing knowing how the people in the city operate, you know, you, he he is very much a, a city commentator, you know. But he hasn't been doing that job, you know, uh, religiously for the last twenty odd years. He was very much a, a man on the on the floor himself, you know, uh, as a broker yeah. and uh, advisor. So. He will, he will have drifted in totally different circles to, to Mike Ashley. Mike Ashley, remember, I, I, I doubt that he even turned up at some of the meetings that were, were put in place for the, to, to float uh, his, own, his own company back in 2007. You know, it, because we know that the man has kept himself to himself. He has a circle of people that he trusts and, and allows him to do the work. Um, so I'm not surprised. And uh, obviously, as he said about Amanda, you know, mm-hmm. a, a very, very shrewd operator, mm-hmm. you know, um, very, very well respected. And I think it was very interesting that he, as he pointed out, as a, as a woman in business, she has to be sharp as a stick be able to be able to be respected in the manner that she is in the Far East, uh, sorry, in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you could tell just from David's voice that he had the utmost respect for, for her and her knowledge and her abilities, which was great to hear. Especially when we're thinking that you know, with a with a, a, a decent wind and uh, you know the light shining in the right direction through that torch that comes out of St James's Park at time, that we, we, we might have her there. You know that she's interested in the football club. That 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 in itself is a, a big it, plus for us. I think it gives me it gives me hope, especially for the fact that obviously Neil broke it last when he had his um, his um, uh, follow up in the in the Chronicle with regards to. Um, uh, Chris Mort at Fresh Fields uh, being the one that Amanda seems to be working with uh, with regards to the you know the law and everything uh, that must very good article uh, Neil I must admit I did mm. I did uh, yeah. I did uh, read it and it was very uh, it's interesting isn't it the, the the more that Neil does the articles we get more breaking news on the Chronicle what we do on the show well, do, you, do you just want some some more snippets. No, how are you? Well, uh, there's something going on over here. All of a sudden, Dubai is interested in the takeover. Yeah. I've been on, I've been on the radio tonight with Dubai. I talk in half an hour, Newcastle takeover. I've done an article for the national newspaper over here today, oh, today about okay. the takeover. And, I, I, and it's like it's come out of the blue. It's like, why the hell are you all of a sudden interested? What's the momentum? What's the head of steam here? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's interesting you say that, Andrew uh, Neil, because uh, obviously you know I, I, you were you were with her last night. Uh, Rebecca was who was in Dubai, and and friends of hers have been coming to her over the over the last few days because word is getting round among the uh, among the ex, not just the expat community but mm-hmm. the, the the foreign the other foreign communities over there, the Brazilians and Italians and such like that she works with, and are saying. Whoa, we, we are hearing that people from Dubai are going to buy Newcastle United. You're from Newcastle. Is that your football club? And, you know, they've seen mm. her wearing a shirt before when they've, when they've been out and about. So, yeah, you're right. There's, there's, there's things happening. There's, things, there's, there's, there's movement and interest is more than normal, isn't it? Suddenly, over the last 48 hours, um, I've had more people ask us about it. I've had contact from... Another the newspapers. I, I do something for um, an online news newspaper called the, the the Sport Journal out here, 
mm-hmm. with a lad that um, I keep trying to connect uh, Mr. Wraith with because they've, they've both got a mutual interest in boxing. Boxing. Um, and and he wants us to. Well, he got us to write a piece not so long ago, and he's asked us for to think about doing a follow-up piece um, in the next few days. And it's like, well, hold on. What? Where's this head of steam suddenly come from here? Yeah. Because it's gone quiet. Mm-hmm. For all like intents and purposes, yeah. it's gone quiet. I mean, I, I like the fact it's gone quiet because it means, that in, in my mind, people are still talking. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, or, or, or at the very least, they're staring at each other's whites of the eyes across the table. What they're not doing is flapping their chops to the to the press, making complaints and gri- gripes and grizzles. There's, there's, there's still something there. My, my, my gut, my, my genuine gut is that um, it, it, what we're playing is a £300 million game of poker mm. and everybody's all in and, that, and they're at that point. They're just at that point where something's going to give. Um, I think, I I think you're right, and I don't, and I, and, and as I asked David, and, and I think he, he almost confirmed he didn't, he said he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't know, but it, the it, the implication was, yeah, it, this is Amanda is the only show in town. Yeah. PCP yeah. Capital Partners are the only show in town. We're not hearing of of, of mm. other other groups because I think that unlike the way that it's been done by PCP Capital, I think we would have heard long before now whether there were three or four other bidders as, as was alluded to in the early days and whether three or four of them dropped off and there was only one left alongside it I think we would have heard I think the city yeah, would have heard to, because yeah. if yeah. they can hear that you know stories coming out of the, city about the bid then I think would have heard a lot more from about other people as well mm. Steve I, I remain utterly adamant both sides in this will be pretty pissed that the news has got out I know how they like to do business here, and, and that was what I alluded to in the article in the Chronicle. They like yeah. to make it look like it's all done on a whim and a handshake, and oh, well, here we go. Um, and it isn't. It just simply is not. Um, that fastidious, the due diligence. I can, I can even tell you the name of the bank that was involved in the takeover where the guy was asked to run around and get 40 years' worth of accounts for the due diligence. And he was, he was poking around vaults with spiders in and all kinds, you know, like proper almost Indiana Jones. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's ridiculous. Um, and we know that Ashley Ferroli likes to have this, um, I'm a power drinker and I make yeah. decisions while I'm pissed and vomiting in a fireplace. He doesn't. Come on, he doesn't. You don't get to be a multimillionaire by doing that. You just don't, not unless you're the luckiest man in the world. And I don't think he is. So, um, I think both sides would be pretty pissed. If you look at the other names that I was given to to hunt out, who may have signed um, NDAs, Mm. um, the the country that kept coming up in the Far East was Vietnam. And I'm sorry, they kind of keep their gobs shut. No, no. <laughs> there's, there's absolutely no way that that country would be watertight. If something was happening when Newcastle United in Vietnam, it would be all over. It, it would, um, because that's how they do business. Um, then, if you, if if you look at, there was another family linked from out here. Now, I did a little bit of research on the Bahraini family. They've been linked with about ten clubs. The tire kickers. Yeah. 
they're tyre kickers. They don't have the money. And I, that was my doubt about them, was do they have the money? And I, frankly, I don't think they did have the money. Um, they may have, may have done an NDA and they may have had a look at the books, but there's no way they've had the money. And then the final one was the, the British consortium led by somebody, and, and I, uh, Steve will know who I'm referring to, um, which, which may or may not have existed. And if word had got out about that, there'd have been a bloody riot. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know who it is, to be honest with you. No, you don't know, you don't, Andrew. <laughs> um, um, no idea. And I'd be shot if I, if I, if I run my mouth up about it. Um, but the, the bottom line is, they would have been banging a drum by now. Yes. They, they, they would have had to because of the stage that this is at. Because the next stage for PCP Capital and Amanda Stavey is exclusivity, and that's it. That's pretty much a done deal. Once, once the, that, that, as you eloquently put, Steve, in one of your pieces, once that white smoke rises out of St. James's <laughs> Park that exclusivity's entered into, that's game over. None of the other players can will be able to, to handle that or step in. It's yeah. done. It's the ball, to me, at this moment in time, is absolutely firmly in Mike Ashley's court. And the biggest hump in the road was that big lump of a man because that was always going to be the case. And Steve and I know that personally from our time past yeah. dealing with, 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 with our friend Derek. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think I think that's why I asked uh, asked David uh, before before you came on, Neil. To, to, you know, aye. how long did he think that, that you know once we get to that exclusively part, could we possibly have this deal done by January or by, by Christmas, so we could get into the transfer window? And, and his 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 opinion was once it gets to that point, things can move on very very quickly. Um, which was interesting. I found that you know, fascinating because I, I thought, you know, it, it's something that could drag on for months and months. And, you know, you get, you get 30 days of exclusivity mm. followed by another 30, followed by another 30. But uh, David was, was implying to yeah. or suggesting to us that once you get to that point, it's literally you've done, you really have done your due diligence and you literally are talking uh, not about how many, how many teacups there and, and spoons are going to be left when you walk out the door. But it's it's just dotting the I's and crossing the T's and getting it getting the deal done. And he thought it could definitely happen if they can agree a price. Mm. It could definitely happen and it could move forward. You know, um, I, I'm not too sure. I, I, I don't know. I, I have no knowledge of, of, of whether that that is true or not. I just have to take it from what I'm hearing from who, who uh, gains by in the city. You know, who gains by that story coming out? From the Daily Star, which I try to make, I actually try to make fun of, as we know. Probably but the Daily Star. <laughs> no, the thing Daily is, Star. so who, who, obviously the Daily Star gains by it, but the fact that it came out on the Monday, uh, I think yeah, it was Monday, wasn't it? Yeah, because of the show we we had a few of our my guests nearly have a orgasms when they found out. But um, well, I, I, Andrew, I, I'll tell you something else here in terms of the Daily Star, because. <sighs> Somebody there is either very, 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 very good at putting two and two together yeah. or is very, 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 very lucky or has got a genuine link to somebody who knows what's the ins and outs of the deal. And if it's at the Ashley end, woe betide that man when he finds out. If it's at the PCP 
and in their find out he'll not be in the job for very long. Um, it, it, it's quite weird because, as you well know, and Steve knows as well, yeah. um, they even put two and two together by, um, well, I received some very interesting follows on LinkedIn and on Twitter, and one of my friends out here got a very curious phone call. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, very, uh, hang on a minute, you know. Oh, I think I know um, who that is, yeah. And it's difficult to know where the information's coming from. And, and, and as Steve would, would tell you, I mean, we, we, simply because of what we've done in the past, every now and again, we can, we can make the jigsaw look like the Mona Lisa instead of a Picasso and sort of try and put things in the right place. But there's still bits that are not fathomable. Yeah. It's you interesting, know, isn't it, Neil? Because you, you got a phone call today asking if you would uh, answer a few questions. At the same time, I got a phone call from someone <laughs> asking me if I knew the name of a journalist who had contacted them, asking them if they would answer a few questions. Same so journalist. I, I, well, I asked for a copy of the of the of the uh, of the questions, and they were identical to the questions that were given to you. And <laughs> you know what it is. These people, these people think that they're dealing in in chimneys, and they don't realise that you know we we can put two and two together just as quickly as they can, if not more quickly than they can. <laughs> And it, it, I find the whole thing, you know, the, the, the ring you up was, or you know, with our with our best mates and that, and, and yeah. it's it's strange, isn't it? It's really strange. I think when you go back to the Daily Star scenario, I think that the, the whole story broke. That's why the sports reporters, either asking about it or scrambling around panicking because it wasn't broken by a sports reporter. It was broken originally on Sky by a city correspondent who uh, possibly had the story for quite a few days. If he did the story for quite a few days, no doubt, Ashley and Amanda Stevie screaming at him saying, you know, don't say anything. But that's, you know, the next thing you know, the story's broken. It's a city correspondence that's breaking it, which makes you tend to think, well, where's the, where, if it is a leak, has it come from? Um, because certainly, I think if it had been a sports reporter that had leaked it, um, then we would have been able to deduce very, very quickly who that sports reporter was. Not just simply because he had his name on the top of the of the of the, of the piece, but uh, he would be screaming and shouting from the rooftops, and probably would also be out of a job. Because the one thing you get with sports reporters is they're very, very um, capable people who know when to keep a story and when to hold back in the right time to put it out and they don't do it simply for the headlines they, especially when it's something like this with Newcastle United they want to make sure that it's watertight so you know mm. we've got to give our sports journalists a pat on the back that in, in that respect that um, it's not them who have leaked stories out uh, it's come mm. from totally different sources I, I believe well I, I, you know what Steve I find that the city links quite unusual in some yeah. respects it, it's an unusual source for the story to come from to be fair that's why I have my gut is it's it's come from the Ashley side that's, I did think it had to be his I don't side know because why. you wouldn't think it would be her would you it's just a gut I, I, 
yeah. just like I said, like I said, Andrew, I know how they like to do business over here, mm. and she's been in, in this part of the world for ten year plus, and our and our husband's from this part of the world, and that's how they will like to do their business, mm. and and as I've said, they, they like to make it look like it's all, you know, holly wally and tappy lappy. Do, do you not think isn't. Stephen Neil that when it came out? Um, I forgot my train of thought now, but you know when they, when um, when it came out, obviously the Chronicle came out and said before your article, Neil. I'll, I'll state that, but um, when it came out, and it was like it was like a it was like a um, a quick analysis straight away. Yes, she's coming with the bid, but Ashley has said no. But she's coming in straight back in again. Now that happened very very quickly. Mm-hmm. And the Chronicle came and said that, and I was like, "Well, first of all, <laughs> they they don't even talk to Ashley, so how the hell would they know if he's unhappy, mad? Which I don't believe for one second he was, to be honest with you. But you know, they're, they're saying, "Oh, she's coming in with another bid." Well, as you as you said, she does, she's not saying nothing. How the hell would they know she's coming in with a second bid? Well, what, what was her options? Their other option was to say she's not coming in with another bid. <laughs> so, so they're not going to go with a negative. They're going to try and go yeah. with a positive, aren't they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that's that, that's not clever. It's just simple. It's the obvious thing for them to do. Yeah. To build momentum for further stories. Um, unless they know 100% that it's all done, dusted, and off, they're going to they're going to try and pin a positive positive to then build stories around it. Um, it, it, it this, this is where it gets very difficult for Newcastle United in some respects, this clamour for information yeah. that it's all the fans want. And I can understand it. I absolutely understand it. I'd like more, and I get more than some. And and, and I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not satisfied with the, you know, with, with the snippets that I get. Um, because we just we're all we know what's at stake. We know the the bigger implications of this not going through, for example. We know all the bigger implications of that. And none of us want that. None of us want to be left in this limbo. Because that's where we are at the moment. It's abs- absolute limbo. Because there's absolutely as a custodian of our football club, the current owner has really done a very bad job. We've had something like five relegations in my entire history and two of them under his mm. watch. And if we're not careful, we're staring down the barrel of a third. And that's not the manager's fault. And it's not necessarily the team's fault per se. They, you know, they've had a bad result at the weekend. They were absolutely stinking against Watford, let's be honest. Yeah. If Watford were actually any good, they'd have beat with by six yeah. at the weekend. Um, you know, let's let's all get that out there. But we're playing a championship team in the Premiership, and I think Rafa has been very candid in his comments today. I think the timing of those comments are quite interesting too. Given yeah, I was, yeah, exactly. Moment, yeah, given I, I was, what's going on at the moment, the, I was the timing say, of those comments is is yeah. is absolutely um, not coincidental for what's going on at our club behind the scenes at the moment. And, and it's another example of, of how the one thing I would remind everybody is that this buyer is the first potential buyer who has leverage 
and not just one type of leverage over Mike Ashley, multiple sources of leverage. And so if they want to play hardball and say, that there's a take it, I'll leave it with They've actually got the leverage to do that. I wish we had that as a trust. I wish um, one of the ones that followed after us had had that with them mm. and been able to prize it away. This is the first buyer who's had that kind of leverage. And I hope that, you know, I, my gut, again, is, is uh, as Mike Ashley's will use any tactic, so will they, because we're dealing with two sets of multi-millionaires and they don't happen by accident. Talk, I've now been with Lee Johnson, uh, another guest on the show. Lee, what was your thoughts on, on uh, Rafa's uh, interesting comments today? Because obviously we've all seen them and uh, if you've been listening earlier, we've been listening to a great chat that Steve Hasty had with uh, D- David Buker. So what did you think? I think Neil said a good point that the, the timing is very, uh, the timing is interesting, especially with the window around the corner for buying players. And I was, tr- I was trying to circumspect um, Rafa to when it comes to what he, what, what he looked like, how he was saying it, uh, because you would think if anything was happening, he would know about it. Um, I've watched his follow the deal. Uh, I think it's important that fans listen to him. Um, I think he's trying to rein everybody in. Uh, people not people not me, me not included. Um, we're getting rather carried away after the Crystal Palace game when we were sitting sixth. Um, I think he was just kind of reiterating to everybody that he was that he was massively let down in the summer. Um, certainly in an, in an attacking sense when he touched on how much it would cost for a goal scorer, etc., etc. Because we all know that's where the problems lie. Um, although uh, when we start talk, when he asks us maybe questions about what I thought about the last four games in terms of the formation switch, I would kind of lay some of the things over the last couple of weeks at their door, which uh, the manager's door, because I'm a bit like perturbed about what he's done with certain things. But uh, yeah, he's still a world class manager. Um, but as for what he said today, um, yeah, I think he's just kind of getting on in, being realistic. We all know that this particular owner isn't going to back him. <laughs> he's already lied to him twice. Um, if we roll into January with him still, unfortunately, owning the club, I think it's quite uh, it's quite apparent that there's going to be no kind of money left available and we'll be shopping again in Primark um, to try and get a few players in just to kind of keep her up. So. Yeah, I think he's just kind of wanting everyone to kind of get behind the players because the players are the players are trying. Some of them just aren't good enough. Um, we all know that. We all know some some of the, the players that came in were fifth, fifth, sixth choice on maybe Rafa's list. But it is what it is, and it, it, it just kind of cries to me that you know when the news broke last week when they knew what's happening, Andrew, we do need the takeover. Everyone's desperate for the takeover, and I personally do still think it's going to happen. I don't think Mike Ashley's got anywhere to hide and what, what Neil just said there. I think they have got some leverage over him because I hope the fans listen to Rafa and if it does get to the point where we think he's going to pull the plug or whatever, I think it's, it's this time where the pressure needs to come from the start. Lee, Lee, Lee um, the, the one thing, you know, some leverage, let's rattle it off. We've got HMRC case. Yeah. We've got... Um, an impending transfer window and the risk that if we're not strengthened in January we get relegated. 
If yeah. he prolongs the talks to that point and we start looking like we're going to get relegated, he's devaluing his asset. Yep. <laughs> you know, um, we've got the fact he's openly come out and said, right, I want to go. He's put his cards on the table. Yep. And he's, and he's claimed he's a willing seller. Well, right. are you, how willing are you? Exactly. How willing are you? Let's, exactly. let, let's go. And unless there's something going on behind the scenes that's been kept absolutely totally under the radar, if there's another bid on the table, yeah. if it's bigger than the one from Amanda Stavely, yeah. well then take it, Mr. Ashley. Show her how willing you are to go. Even if it's some Vietnamese maniac. <laughs> I think at the minute, at the minute, I think I'd rather take my chances with a Vietnamese maniac. <laughs> well, this is the thing, isn't it? It's like, like you said earlier with with Steve. It's like once this, I don't know, I think David said as well, didn't he? That once somebody comes in and gets this thirty days exclusivity, yep. then it's game over. It's over. Of course so it is. So when the, the, to me, is it obviously with everything that's going on in Dubai and the fact that the Seem to be waking up, waking up to the fact that uh, you know that everybody seems to be interested in Newcastle United and you know they're getting you on shows stuff like that. It it seems that you know that it it is moving in the direction where I think we all wanted to go. Uh, if and but that's the issue, isn't it? If somebody like you said a maniac comes in with tons and tons of money, then. It's going to look bad for Dubai, isn't it? Well, they wouldn't want that. Yeah. Tell me now, um, there's, there's hell on over here this weekend because um, Al-Hilal, the big club in Saudi, have just missed out on the Asian Champions League again. Um, except that they're quite all relieved that it's a Japanese team that's beat them, not a Chinese team. Because the, the one nation that still makes them jumpy over here is the Chinese. And if there was Chinese money involved, I think the deal would be done. <laughs> I actually wish there was a, it was a maniac or Chinese buyer, because I think that would force somebody from the Gulf's hand, because they don't like being invested by the Chinese. And it's interesting to see that the Al-Hilal reaction to losing to a Japanese team as opposed to a Chinese team like they did last year so much more gracious in defeat with last year they were crying foul over everything, including um, injury time added on in the game and was the referee throwing a bung and you, you know, it, whereas oh, we know, well done to the, the Japanese team they were the better team on the day and bloody 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 blah, 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 blah. hang on a minute, this isn't what you were like last year, but that's because it's Chinese, they're, not, they're, not, they're bothered in particular by Chinese money, so it, it, it's a curious one um but I genuinely think if there was another bid on the table, they wouldn't want to be out outdone by anybody. That's for sure. Yeah, I think um, it, I must admit I I didn't expect, well, especially when the, the news came out last week, and uh, I must admit all of us uh, were like I must I'm probably the only only one of us who weren't that excited because I thought well it's a nice it's it's nice that it's come that far, but the fact that it seems to be people are interested in the golf. Uh, you know, wanting, I just think it's. I think everything's in place for the the deal to happen, and I do love this Chris Mortar link. I must admit, the thing that's like drawn that. me, Andrew, is is the is the the sudden immediacy here. Yeah, it's like in the last forty eight hours, where's this acceleration of interest come from? Because it, it we've been making footnotes in some of the sports newspapers out here. 
And now all of a sudden they're wanting, well, like Steve says, you know, he has he has five questions and all we've sent him the bill as well. <laughs> um, where did that come from? Where's the interest? You know, suddenly I get a call. Uh, the guys on Dubai Eye, because I do bits, and, as you know, I do bits and bobs on Dubai Eye out yeah. here. Um, yeah. And I've not done anything for ages. I've not, not, not even spoke to them for a little while. Um, because they were talking about setting like an equivalent of a fans forum type of thing out up here, and it never happened. Um, and then all of a sudden, I get a get a direct message through Twitter. They say, "Hi Neil, would you like to come on tonight? Come down to Dow and Anchor. We're broadcasting live. We want to talk about the takeover." Well, I'm thinking, "Well, hang on. This is this is last week's news. <laughs> why didn't <laughs> you want exactly. to talk about? Why yeah. didn't you want to talk about this last week?" Um, it, 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 it's that that's got me puzzled also because yeah. you've got to understand how media works out here. A lot of the media here is obviously um, has to be care- you've got to be A, very careful what you put into print out here or broadcast um, because the laws are obviously very <coughs> different and uh, the wrong word and the wrong phrase can get you thrown out on the next plane out of the country um, as has happened to a journalist here recently so they've got to be very careful what they write and say um, and and there is a degree of government control over the media. Let's be let's be, mm-hmm. be blunt. So where's the actually, direction it, it, to go on these stories coming from? Uh, um, just been told. Steve just said to me, um, "There's a good article upon NUFC uh, Fans United website about Scrooge Ashley. So if you want to take a list, to, something to listen about, apart from listen, read about." Uh, uh, Neil's articles on the, the National and the, the Chronicle. If you want to read up a little bit more on uh, Newcastle and uh, what actually Mike actually been doing to Newcastle, just head to NUFC Fans United website and you can listen to your heart's content. Uh, I'll read that later myself. But it, it, the interesting thing, Lee, and, and, and then is that what he's what uh, Neil saying, Lee, is that they seems you know there's a, there seems to be a, an immediacy. Uh, that they want to talk about Newcastle, that to me would suggest we don't know, of course, that mm. there is. We, know, we 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 should be hopeful. I I still think it's going to happen. I've been called, I've been hopeful since last week. I think the fact that it's out there, it's known. Well, like I said, I was seeing it all last week. Mike Ashley's got nowhere to hide. As Neil said, he's apparently a willing seller. He wants to leave. Rafa's Rafa's quotes today were were actually putting more pressure on Mike Ashley. I thought, <laughs> I was like, and I was like, get in. Basically, you're telling him to fuck off as well. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, you know, he let us down. There's some massively let Rafa down in the summer. If he doesn't want to invest in a football club, if he doesn't want to take it forward, he's got three hundred million on his table. He can turn it into all them wonderful sports direct shares that he doesn't like spending. So. Like I said, just take it and sod off, or take something near that and sod off. I think uh, the like uh, when it comes to the money, you know, this like it's, it it was interesting to me. It was they go on they, they you know they go on Sky News like we all heard last week. They go on Sky News and it's three hundred million, but then you hear quite quickly, I believe, I think it was in Dubai that the record it was two fifty. So well, it's a massive difference, isn't it? There's a massive difference, but. Um, if you go and hunt out um, the, the guy who does the blog about value in football clubs, there's four ways to value a football club. And if you sift through that and value the club by those four different ways, 
your range is 220 to 340 million. And, and you, you know, it, it, when you're talking about these figures, the biggest challenge, it's not just about what it's worth now, it's about where is it going to be down the line. And how, how do you monetize that now? Can you monetize that now? Um, are you, how much of this is, is based on potential income as opposed to actual actualities? Um, we're a very hard club to value, mainly based on things like uh, we don't own the land that the ground stands on. We've got so, a so this, um, this land business... We've got trading um, facilities that need to be upgraded and upgraded badly. So what's that? What's Benton worth as yeah, it yeah, is versus what it could be? I knew what happened with that. What happened with that lavish plan about three years ago about the training ground? What happened yeah. with that? Well, well that was that. That was used to get the AAA status back and then uh, mothballed. And then the pools. <laughs> and I, and I think. I think there was an agreement that it had to be done by 2020. Hmm, two right. years' time. Mm, that, there's another bit of leverage for Mr. Ashley, because if oh, he doesn't do it, you know... If you don't um, own the land, is that, is that why you I think... I believe that the part of the due diligence was getting hold of those plans. Hmm. Um, and I also believe that... Um, you know, if you look at other bits of due diligence that they'll need to have done, and we've talked about this on this show before, yeah. um, what Mr. Ashley bought and what he's selling now are two entirely different things, and that affects the value. He had that little thing about four or five years ago where he created Mike Ashley Holden's Alpha and Mike Ashley Holden's Beta, and some bits of St. James's Holden went into one, of one or both of those, but nobody actually knows what because it's not actually very clear how the ownership structure of Mike Ashley Holden's Alpha and Beta works. And if you go online and look that up, you can two or three articles from city journalists, and they are finding it hard to work out how it works and why he did it. Nobody seems to know why he did it. But he did it with, a, with something in mind, and St. James's Holden's, that, that is the, the company that looks after Newcastle, um, was it part of that... Um, shake up so things have disappeared so want to know why they asked for 27 years of accounts there's probably one of your answers you know yeah, that up. makes the valuation really very hard because he turned around and said oh well I paid 100 and however many million for this club then aye and you've sold bits off mate <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah, you're not telling me what you bought, <coughs> and you made and, a shitload on advertising. But he has to tell them, surely. Well, he doesn't have to tell them, but they should be able to work it out from the accounts, even exactly. no matter how compli- no matter how complicated it is. You know, the, the, the very best accountants should be able to sift through all of those transactions, providing you would reckon, which I've, you would which reckon, Neil, no anyone who's any potential buyer would be literally. Oh, this is probably why it'll take a while. Going through our books with a fine tooth comb. Hey. Anything, and based on based on what happened last time, based on he uh, got stung, and also yes. the fact that but, he, yeah, but he owns us. <laughs> he he did. He didn't do full due diligence when he bought <laughs> no. that's, that's why he missed the mortgage on the stand. Mm-hmm. And that cost him dearly because the the people he was going to flip it to didn't miss it. 
<laughs> exactly. And and so, um, so we got you know, with the bastard for ten years. Yes, unfortunately. <coughs> and and so, this this is this is why he's always run it in a hands-off, not really very interested in it fashion, mm. because he isn't and wasn't and never was. Um, and we're left facing the consequences. I would suggest to you, Lee, that all of that part of the due diligence is done. Aye, you think aye. I, I would, honestly, if, if they're at the point of... Where they're saying they're making offers, aye. There's an offer on the table. Oh, all of that's true. done. All true. of that's done. And and the longer... It, I know it's really hard to believe this, because everybody I can understand is getting impatient. There's, there's jumpiness. There's frustration, particularly when you see what's happening on the pitch. Yeah. There's worry. There's concern. Um, the longer it stays quiet at the moment, before we're into the middle of December, I actually think that's a good thing. Yeah, so do I. So we have to sort of almost just trust to the process. I'm, I'm it, calm it's on really that. I don't think it's going to happen. It, yeah, but... You are probably in a minority. <laughs> if, you go off, if you go off the, 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 the certainly from my point of view, as, as you all know, I'm, I'm Twitter and Twitter only. Aye. You know, you, okay, Twitter's not the greatest barometer of of feeling, bearing in mind what the President of the United States can do with it. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, there is a lot of worry and concern and jumpiness, and I get it. I totally, 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 totally get it. I absolutely understand it. I get little moments where I think, oh, you know, Christ, here we go. Um, but actually, when you sort of take the heat out of the situation, um, nobody said, it's done, it's over, we're off. Because um, he knows this is his only anybody, chance. Any he knows it's quite obvious he has, to me. He has you know. a thought. What if Mike Ashley's for once on a hook squirming? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this and, is the problem is if somebody all, comes in all, who, who gets this, exclu- the, exclusivity. Yes, and the problem, if, do you know what? If they do, and it's some Vietnamese maniac, <laughs> I'd still take my chances tomorrow with a Vietnamese maniac than Mike Ashley. Now, we've been here before. Anybody but Fred. It's got to be better than Fred. And then we've got that idiot. Um, but I, I honestly, at this moment in time, because Vietnamese maniac might actually let Rafa spend a bit of cash in January. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then we'll worry about the fallout after that. Because um, our target this year, our one and only target, is 17th place and above. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where we'll have to, to set our measure. Um and, and, and as I've pointed out plenty of times, I, I genuinely don't believe that Ashley's mental enough to let his assets get devalued by letting it's this process tick over into the into the transfer window. Well, it's, it's like with your first when you were involved in the the first you know the first takeover. Mm. Uh, I think before that, at least with because he knows the man is he's he's done his due diligence on her. He mm. knows the money's there, and it's been it's like. Like um, Lee said, he's been given it. He, the money's there. He can take it and go and, and just go. Yes. But because he, he's got the money, previously, it never got this stage, did it? That no. it may, oh, yes, no. he would, he would sign the documents to to like 
I've and before. Seen, I've seen one signed agreement of sale with one party who very nearly bought in 2012. And I've seen the document. The document is, is out here. I can't even tell you which building in downtown Dubai it's in. Um, and I've seen it. It's real. It exists. It has Terran Bias's signature on it and on behalf of the club. Um, and that's the closest I've seen anybody get to. And even that deal wasn't a cash deal. It was leveraged in a similar way to the way, way the Glazers bought Man U. Andrew? Yeah? Do you mind if I ask Neil a question? Cause he yeah, might go ahead. Do you, know, um, you know this company out in Dubai? Mm-hmm. Um, BCB Capital. Uh, what are they? Do you reckon, do they reckon, do you reckon they would be, um, let's say the purchase up, do you reckon they would be um, serious in trying to make Newcastle something in terms of taking it forward and making yes. it competitive? You really Look, do, yeah? I've, I've mentioned this in, in the articles I've written, and probably yeah. in pass, passing on here. Yeah, yeah. There is a, um, do you mind if I, there is definitely a territorial pissing competition going on in this part of the world at the moment, and yeah. everybody's getting their cocks out and seeing how big they are. Right. right? That's a good thing. And, and <clears throat> football clubs is part of that. Right. Um, now, it, it's quite open, and in the, in, it's out there that um, Amanda Stavely was involved with Dubai Capital, which is uh, Sheikh Mohammed's company. Yeah. Um, to buy 50% stake in Liverpool. Okay, and they, and they they were gutted they missed out on that. Abu Dhabi have Man City. Qatar have PSG. Um, Abu Dhabi um, are also involved with Real Madrid. The the the, the Bernabeu is has got a naming sponsorship with the National Bank of Abu Dhabi, which is now First Abu Dhabi Bank. Um, and obviously Real Madrid also wear Emirates sponsorship on their shirt. The UAE like to be involved in big things. Mm. If they get involved in something, it isn't small. That's why the Burj Khalifa is there. That's why the Palm exists. That's why the Fly A380 is everywhere. Um, because mine's bigger than yours. Yeah. Simple. <laughs> And 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 if my understanding is PCP Capital is a, is a, is a is investing has investments from around the Gulf, um, principally Saudi and UAE, but I also understand there are specific UAE-based individuals who would also be interested in pumping financially, the, or priming the pump financially. Um, would they make it big? Wouldn't, I wouldn't. I would temper our expectations. Yeah. yeah. But the long, there'd be a long-term goal there. Yeah. One they haven't been able to achieve with their association with Arsenal. The Emirates ground naming deal and the Emirates shirt sponsorship, that was supposed to go somewhere until Stan Kroenke showed up, and I know that pissed a lot of people off over here. Mm. And so. Um, I think most of us. I think most of us just want like 
<clears throat> careful planning moving forward, making Newcastle competitive within the top eight of the league, and I can't see any reason why that couldn't be the case, to be honest, when no. you're looking at the league itself. Let me, let, let me bring in Chris, Chris Parry from the US uh, to give us his, uh, his thoughts on Newcastle United. I'll just uh, fill Chris in. Uh, we've been talking to David Buick, who's the financial person uh, that's been on Sky News lately with regards to the takeover. Chris, we've been talking to him all, all, all well, most of the show, and now we've got Neil, who's uh, been involved in some um, radio show tonight, and it sounds like seems like Dubai is really taking interest in Newcastle now, which is a good sign. And uh, tell me what you think uh, of what, what what's your thoughts on going on, and obviously what you thought of the weekend. How's it going, guys? I thought I thought Watford absolutely did us over like no team I've seen in a long time. Um, it could have been seven nothing. It easily could have been seven nothing. I mean, it was, it was absolutely, they were whooped and it was, and that's the thing I can say, well, it's Watford. Well, I think we need to get that out of our heads. Well, it's Watford. Well, Watford's an established premiership side now and it showed just their size, their strength, their, their touch, I mean, I thought Newcastle played really well against uh, Manchester United, you know, for the for the first half hour, and then they finally their their class finally uh, came you know came through. I think Rafael Benitez, Rafael, Rafa got absolutely outcoached on um, on Saturday, but you know what? That happens. It happens. I mean, he he didn't have his full deck because of injuries, and one you know, so now you're throwing in Mo Dot Mo Diami out there. Yeah. Uh, Yedlin, I thought has been a terrific player, but he was horrible. I mean, either him or or Richie, someone was not covering down that side because the, I mean, they could have gone down there all game. And what really made me mad was in the second half, it was almost like Newcastle went back into the locker room at halftime and said, okay, guys, this is not working. We're getting yeah. beat, but let's go back out there with the same stupid strategy and try the diagonal <laughs> ball because that's been working so well. Yeah, I agree with that. I, mean, yeah. I thought, I thought that's, that's what really, really made me angry. And the thing is, though, and you also see why Mitrovic, why, why he doesn't trust, trust Mitrovic. You saw him out there in the first, in the ten minutes he was out there. I thought he was going to get into a fight. He looked like he got up and remember he, he when the referee called him for called him for a linesman off. He told the referee to go f off. You know, and the other linesman. I mean, he could have gotten a yellow card for that. He just he's got to calm down. And I think that's why Rafa doesn't trust him. But Chris, he gets better the longer he isn't in the team. It, 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 because we, we, would, we would like him to be and I think that's because the glaring problems are there to see um, I've got this distinct impression the last few games have been played 4-4-2 to put the 4-4-2 argument to bed and well it's no joke and I, I've seen an interesting stat today about Iosi Perez and about when he's in the team we concede far fewer goals than when he's not um, and I don't think it's anything to do with Iosi Perez. I think it's everything to do with the system he plays in. Yes. <clears throat> well, I also think that Iosi, and it's funny, Neil, you actually beat me to the punch. I was about to talk about Iosi too. I, I do think that he runs. We always talk about he definitely runs. Maybe he works, he runs he works from the beginning hard. of the match to the end. You know, he he does he the dirty. From the front. He just doesn't score enough goals. We're too, we've been too open in the them last two games, lads. Uh, in the last couple of games, and you've got to bear in mind we've lost four, right? But then the first two games were lost, lost of the four, um, 
certainly the, the first one, uh, Burnley, when we played this system we've been playing pretty much through the Championship into the Premier League. We only lost 1-0, and we lost 1-0, and we, sorry, we lost 1-0 to them, and we lost 1-0 to um, Bournemouth. You flip the coin, we could have won those two games 1-0, but we, we were far too open. Teams are just coming through us. It's, it, it doesn't work. We haven't got good enough footballers to play 4-4-2. The way we've set up from the championship into this league, which I think Rafa's been preparing us from, I don't know why this sudden switch. I don't really understand why this sudden switch has came about. I don't, because it's not like him. He's pragmatic. He prepares right. People say sometimes we're boring. No, we're not boring. I've loved watching us defend. It's been great. I think he wanted. To, I think he wanted to try to get Gale in. I just. I think yeah. he wanted to try to find a way to get Gale in and get Gale's goal scoring in. But you can't do Gale with a four-two-three-one. It's already yeah. a four-three-two-one. It just doesn't work. He's not a target player. So I, maybe that's what they, so he he needs to play off somebody. So that's probably why he decided to, uh, you know, to, just, to see if know, he think... can get Yosalu. But here's the bottom line, guys: if Yosalu scores that goal in the second minute of the match, yeah. with Murphy basically putting it on a freaking platter for him, then we're talking about a totally different match. And that's yeah. the problem. This is not the championship. You can't if you if yeah if you okay if you screw up you don't you don't well that's okay you, there's always more chances. You, you got to take your chances. You just have to take your chances. I was so impressed with Watford. Oh my gosh, I was impressed with Watford. What did fantastic. you guys think? I mean, I don't want to hear a word about well we're, we should be better than Watford. Not yeah. by what I just saw. They were fantastic. Chris, they were fantastic. Fantastic from start to finish. They were athletic, big, strong. Mm. We couldn't do anything with them. But again, this I'll go back to the tactics. I would have preferred Newcastle to allow them the football and us sat in and then try to take with chances on the break against them because we just, for me, we just totally played into their hands. They dragged us all over. They were well organised. They were clever. They were cute. That manager that they've got um, totally reminds me of a young Pochettino when Pochettino come into the country at Southampton. Um, they'll do very well to hang on to him and this, they've got some fantastic wonderful players that Char- Charlison who was on one of the sides he caused us problems all day like I said they did a number on us you're right they totally killed us but I thought we played into their hands with a 4-4-2 I just thought we were too open I prefer when we sit 20 yards the, the, the side of the halfway line we have a look at teams and then we will come on to teams so again I just don't understand where the sudden changes come from I don't think Rafa would have changed I don't think Rafa's changed it because fans have said oh it would be nice to see well he's had to change it because of uh, Lascelles being out and you mm-hmm. know Atsu as well, well on the left but he, but he, he doesn't have to play he doesn't have to change it because Lascelles is out Andrew he's got two centre-halves there he's got Lejeune and Kieran Clark. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why he's done it it's, it, it's totally off it's not like him. It's not like him. Uh, is there a reason why he's done it? I, I don't really understand why he's done it because he normally sticks to something that he think if he's got a winning formula or a formula that works, he normally sticks to it, Andrew. Yeah. I would have understood it more last season in the championship because at times if we went 4-4-2, like Chris has just said, the championship was a totally different kettle of fish. We probably would have blew teams away more playing 4-4-2. But I thought last season was all about preparation for the Premier League. You know, when we were going for going away from home, we were tight, compact. We kept it, we kept it tight. We won games one or two nil, and that's what we do. I've got a stat for you, actually. I've got. I know we we seem to be a fret, uh, interested about uh, IOE Perez. In 856 minutes, uh, Perez has played this season. United, United Newcastle have conceded nine goals, one every 95 minutes. In the 314 minutes Newcastle played without him, 
they've conceded eight, one every thirty-nine minutes. Well, of course, because we're technically we're technically have we technically have with him a five-man midfield. Yeah, true. And we have a when you have an axis of three who are working so hard, like whether it be Marino, Hayden, and Perez, or Marino, Shelby, Perez, who were working hard to win the football back, so we weren't we weren't an easy get through the middle. Mm. But teams are coming through us through the middle like a train, like a train. It's too easy, too mm. easy. I think the one thing that well, what, what interested made, what me. Made me so mad. Hey, what made me so mad, and I and I really I enjoyed the story that uh, one of the guys in the Chronicle wrote, is that the fact that they almost had just scored a goal. It was just so lucky that Newcastle didn't get one whenever they went down wide, got the cross, and the guy missed. So you're thinking, okay, you you might want to you might want to sharpen that up a little bit. Don't let. It was like two minutes later that they did the they did the exact same thing and scored, and then they did it again and almost scored again. It was just, it was it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable, and it was. I mean, Watford. I'll tell you right now, guys. I don't. Don't look at Watford and Burnley as like the names. Look at them as how well they play, how well they get after people. And those are Premiership sides. Watford and Burnley. We need to stop thinking of them as oh well. Hey, they used to be really, really bad, so we should be able to beat them now. You know, Newcastle is now the team that used to be the Watford and Burnley, and needs to scrap its way for you know for victories. And I think as soon as we get our get that through our heads. We'll find a way to stay up and become a Watford and a Burnley and then work forward to maybe become a top eight side. We're so far from it now, it's not even funny, though. The thing that worries me, and probably worries Neil a bit more as well as Lee, but the fact that when halftime came, like I think uh, Steve mentioned it, uh, Watford went through a full drill session with their substitutes and Newcastle just got the ball and they were kicking the ball at each other. Now, uh, not, it's Andrew, okay I, having I, a bad day. Andrew, but... I have to say, I have to say, I've seen that. And mind, I have to say, our players half time always do that. Mind, always. Yeah. That's nothing new. That's always been the case. They come out, they warm themselves up, they knock the ball around to each other. Even when we've been winning games, I don't know who's picked up on that. But I, I'm, I don't go downstairs under under the ground at half time, and they always do that. Always. That is nothing new. Something wrong there, though, isn't it? I think we shouldn't be. Uh... Really? Well, what? I don't think so. Just because, of, just for, just because the Watford, just because the Watford team put some cones down and started like doing sprints, like doing sprints, that, that's entirely up to them. But we've always done it. So when we're winning football matches, does it, 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 does, does, does because someone pointed out all oh, the players are warming up. They were warming up. They were just knocking the ball around to each other. They always seem to do that. That hasn't changed, by the way. That's nothing new. I've seen that and I thought, wait, why are you picking up on that? The only reason someone's picking up on that is because we've just lost 3-0 and four games <laughs> on the trot. Yeah, it was, I think, uh, I think uh, Steve has noticed that a couple of times. He's, he's mentioned it on the show before and... Um, but then he mentioned, obviously he mentioned again the weekend. I think you, about you, you know for a fact, right? That I would say that's picky because Benitez is thorough in terms of his preparation. He is thorough. He leaves no stone unturned. Yes, we've been beaten the last four games, but no one will be hurting more than him, or nobody oh, yeah, sure. will be. No one, nobody like him and his staff will be working their nuts off to change this round. There's no doubt about it. You can see his face today. And the interview he gave, and he's passionate. But basically, what he did today, he just basically tried to remind people of where we are, where this club is. As a result of Mike Ashley, by the way, his summer spending, 
these lads have been playing above themselves. There's no doubt about it. Unfortunately, we've got, I reckon, about five or six players off at this current, this current moment in time, and we can't afford to have five or six players off. Mm. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we just don't have any depth. We don't have any yeah. depth, and we had, we had enough depth for the championship. Yep. We just don't have enough depth for the premiership. And, and depth, you can't just throw any old player out there at, at this level, and, and they're just going to make it. But I think there's one I thing that um, – I think there's one thing that's really is, is that uh, Mike Ashley just flat out lied to the coach, yeah. to, the, to, the, to, the, to everybody. I mean, the fact – I don't I, – remember, we talked about this before. I didn't want to hear about the war chest and how much money – because I don't want people to know how much money is out there to spend because then everyone's going to try to take it for as much as they can. But the fact is that he just, I mean, they couldn't get, the Tammy Abraham thing is really just throwing me for a loop. I mean, that they couldn't even get him, you know, because he just wouldn't give him the funds. I just hope uh, Stavely takes care, takes over. But here's the deal, guys. I think we need to just pump the brakes a little bit and don't think just because Amanda Stavely and PCP and all this money's coming in, that we're just going to automatically become a really, really good side. Everton showed that money does not solve things. How many people did Everton buy? How many terrific footballers seven did Everton buy at the start of this seat in the transfer window? And they are in relegation right now. So it's, is, it's, I thought, I thought, Chris, I thought their investment was, I think their investment was really, really poor, given that they lost Lukaku, right? And they haven't even replaced him really as a yeah. centre forward. They went Rooney, they went Rooney and, um, what's his name? What's his name from Swansea? They are very, very similar. They didn't buy a centre-forward. They didn't buy a centre-forward, and they lost like 20 goals there. I think they bought some reasonable footballers, but they just didn't buy a centre-forward. I just thought it was poor investment on their part. Like. I'll be honest with you, I'd, I'd, be okay with, I'd be okay with Newcastle just getting one player in January. Just get a striker. Just get a center forward that can score goals. Yes, Elliot is not Elliot's not God's gift to goalkeeping, but I think Elliot can at least keep us in the Premiership this year. I was going to say, I was gonna ask, yeah, I was going to ask Neil that because uh, Raf has mentioned um, uh, financial fair play. So if <coughs> if we, it, it's going to depend on who is available, how much he's going to get, and he, he comes, he comes like he, his message today. Was like well, it it doesn't matter if you want if you wanted twenty goals a season, you're looking at forty million, Neil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, welcome to reality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, this, this was a very, very, very staged set of points to hammer home a message to the owner. Of, of, of this. Yeah. I've got no doubt. Um, and let's put the put the points into context, as I've done on the radio over here. Forty goals a season. Se- yeah, twenty goals a season is forty million. Um, kicks the ball forward. He's 15 million if he scores. He's 25 million. <laughs> that was funny. That was uh, funny. Yeah, I thought that was um, funny. I thought that was funny. Make, what does that make Jocelyn with five million? Yeah, I know. I know that was kind of a slap in the face to Josh. To yeah. I love how he. I love how he, he uh, praised the lad before he said that to say. Since I'm about to throw Jocelyn under the bus, at least let me praise him before I say this. Wouldn't surprise me if he's had a word with the lad this after this morning before, yeah. in training before he's gone into our press conference and said, "Look, I'm going to say something." With, it, it, you know, it, it's not going to sound great, but it ain't, it ain't a job at you, you know. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to slam. I'm, I'm trying to get you guys some help. Yeah. Well, one other thing though, 
if, if you don't have to have a striker that scores goals if you have a midfielder that scores goals. And Newcastle doesn't have a midfielder. I don't know where Shelby, if Shelby has scored a goal since he got here. It seems like it's been forever. The goals from Richie have dried up. I thought Richie had a chance, you know, that was just inches well, away against Watford. For, for, me, for me, Chris, Shelby got taken out of the game pretty early on because the referee booked him. Uh-huh. For a chance, right. that yeah. maybe he's bookable. But you look at how many fouls that Will Hughes who got the opener yeah. made. The fact that Hughes oh. didn't get a book, the he fact that Hughes didn't get a yellow card was crazy. Neil, Neil, Six or seven fouls. Neil, the free kick was quite close to me. Honestly, why Shelby even dives in to make yeah. that challenge? It was mm. thick. He got himself booked. He didn't even need yeah. to make a challenge. The kid was the no, kid was running the the kid was running towards the touchline, and the only out ball he had was either down the line, which would have been picked up by a fullback or out of play. <laughs> Well, Shelby going to ground with him facing the way. I was just like, you're thick as out. But he, yeah. And with two feet, guys. Came through on the back end. He could have been a red card. If it was the referee wanted thick, to, be to do it. It was just stupid. But he's off. He's been massively off. Richie's massively off. They were two key players last season. And like I said, five or six of them are off at the minute. And that's that's what you, that's why you're seeing but these results. Gail's been off from the start of the yeah. season. Yeah, right. Yeah. Richie's gone off the boil totally. Hayden hasn't really looked on it some, for some of the games, and Shelby hasn't either. Um, and let's be honest, the guy that was the best player on the team is injured, LaSalle's. And Newcastle has not been the same since LaSalle got hurt. Yeah. Well, that's all there is to I think that's what everybody's seeing, and this is the, this, this is the crux of it all, is that lad's obviously a leader in more ways yeah. than one. Well, he's not. He's not back tomorrow either. Hayden will come back in. You'll see the army on the bench. You know they've got. To, they've got to make. Well, I think they haven't got. We haven't got the players, haven't you? You. You can definitely see. Do you think I'll start with one by one? But uh, Lee, do you think you'll bring bring in Mitra from the start? Um, That's two, I think. I know. Uh, well, I got. I agree, Andrew. At the end of the day, <laughs> feelings about Mitrovic are um, you, you do have to pick people on I would say technically form I, I suppose Mitrovic hasn't got any previous form but what you're seeing from Jocelyn at the minute unfortunately is, isn't great so Mitrovic did make a difference when he came on on Saturday he actually played quite well um, so yeah he has to make a change and if he doesn't and it, it's the same team that started the other night I'll be I'll be flabbergasted if it's the same team Mitrovic definitely deserves to start out if Mitrovic starts, he deserves to start for the next three and four games. If Mitrovic doesn't score in the next three or four games, if he starts all of those, then fair enough, it might put the Mitrovic debate to bed. But I'd like to think we're not going to have this Mitrovic debate for very long if Amanda Stavely and her company does yeah. take over, because Rafa might, be, Rafa might actually get some funds to get a striker in. So this debate is going to continue to be there, Unless we are taken over by somebody else, because we, we, you've got to pick the players who are best available to you. And I think based on our last four games, Jocelyn's form, if he's going to go four four two again, which I'm flabbergasted if he does tomorrow night, I think he's got a gun. I think he's got a gun. Mitrovic or Gale. If he puts one up front, I would prefer him to play Mitrovic and Perez in behind, just so we've got maybe that little bit extra cover in midfield. I was thinking, I was thinking, what about, what, what do you think, Chris? Now I'll get to Neil. I think tomorrow is a must-win game. I mean, I, I, I know that sounds crazy in December to say that a match is a must-win game. You look at, you look at Newcastle's fixtures in December. Yeah, they have to get three points tomorrow. 
because it, it's going to be a long, cold uh, December if, uh, if they don't. I mean, uh, the, the, the teams that they're playing all seem like they're on form now. They're all top of the league. They need to, they, West Brom is, is in flux. You don't know if Megson, you don't know if Pardue is going to be the coach. You don't, they've, got to, they've got to take advantage of this and, beat, and get three points. I, I, I would call it a must-win, gentlemen. What do you think, Neil? Um, not quite a must-win, but um, we need to see an improvement in the performance. Yep. That's the thing for me yeah. that we need. Yeah, the Neil, Neil, what if they lose eight on the trot? Because they're going to basically, don't they play Chelsea and then like Man yeah. City? And, and I mean, th- this could be, mm-hmm. if they don't stop the bleeding now, this is going to be an eight-game winless run, and it's going to be, I mean, that's why, that's why I thought this was such a big game. I don't think they're going to, I don't think LaSalle's going to be back either for a bit because they're not actually saying how long he's out for, which is odd. Well, everyone was hanging, was trying to hung, hung, um, hanging them out to dry, Andrew. <laughs> now they're all wanting them back. The wonder of social media. We are, I've, I've, got a, I've got a feeling if we revert back to type and we'll make ourselves incredibly difficult to break down, we'll be all right. We'll frustrate. I'll be surprised. But like I said, I'll be surprised if he goes 4-4-2 again. I'll be flabbergasted. If he goes 4-4-2 tomorrow night against West Brom, maybe. But if he goes 4-4-2 on Saturday at Chelsea, I'll knock me down with a feather. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring in my final guest this evening before we finish the show in about six minutes, and that's John. Good evening, John. How are you? Good evening, lads. You okay? I not too bad. Obviously, you've been listening to the show all night. So, um, what's your feeling on the? Obviously, we've been talking about the the takeover and the finances and the the team on Saturday. I know you're you're uh, very uh, exp- <laughs> you you've got an opinion. So, tell me what's your feeling on the whole. Take over and obviously the result on Saturday and you know who we're going to play on tomorrow night because obviously Hayden's going to come straight back in. Um, well, I saw the game on set. Well, I'm highlight the match of the day and I'm on YouTube as well and cause I couldn't go because I have to work and um, we just don't get beat, don't we? Sort of thing, you know what I mean? I thought Watford were fantastic from all accounts and we just defended really, really poor. They were all cheap goals and. It could have been five or six or seven if Rockford had put the chances away. But we've lost now. We just have to go and move on to the next game, which is tomorrow night. So, and as for the takeover, I think it's a hard one, really, because um, it's already got turned down to know. But, I mean, I'm sure they're talking. I'm sure they're still speaking, sort of thing. So it's not um, over yet, don't you think? Yeah. Hello? Is it just me and you? Andrew, are you cutting people off again? No, no, not at all. I think Neil was on, but he's gone off again. But, like, uh, uh, say say it again. I I, I didn't quite catch the the answer. Say again to me. Yeah, I was just saying that. um, I'm just saying about the takeover. Basically, it's just, um, obviously, it's gone all quiet sort of thing. I mean, do you think it's the best way to be quiet and just let them get on with it now sort of thing? Because all the people on social media are just saying, oh, about this tip, well, I get people ask us questions. Is there any latest news? And stuff? I don't know myself. I mean, Neil might know. Uh, Neil's just he's had issues with his um, internet. But I think the, the best thing about, the, the problem with the news that when it came out last week when we were live on the air, uh, that you know the, the bid had gone in. 
The, the problem is, actually, if you look at uh, what happened, the, it was complete meltdown by everybody. I think that the next, the, a couple of days afterwards, uh, with and even I obviously had Steve Wraith uh, mentioned that the the, the Chronicle are saying a lot of things about uh, what's going on, and uh, you know you got Amanda Staley being uh, tracked down to Leeds to her family. So I think um, when when there's no when there's no news, it 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 seems it seems to calm people down. And, and do, you not, do, do you not think that what I said last week, Andrew, was what what the crack is really? When I wrote, nobody has a clue what's going on. Yeah, I don't yeah. think any of them right. You've got remember when the story broke last week? The story wasn't broken by Northeast journalists. It wasn't broken by Sports yeah. News. It was broken yeah. by Sky Sports News. Sky, yeah. sorry, not Sky Sports. Sky News. It was news. It wasn't sports news or sports journalists. And all they did after that, every single one of them followed suit. They were all making up their own headlines. They were all making up their own opinions on it. None of them, I don't think, not one of them's got a clue what's going on. Not one of them. I agree. I think that was it. Welcome to what journalism is now. All it is is just (laughs) if one person thinks it's right, the whole world jumps on. Nobody has any, nobody has any, (laughs) <laughs> they have, they, nobody has any sources, or it's always unnamed sources, which is ridiculous. But um, guys, I'm telling you, they, I think Newcastle needs to get. They need to get on with the business of getting points and and playing well, and not worry about this. Because if we worry about Amanda Stavely coming to our rescue, then we're going to be worrying about Amanda Stavely coming to our rescue in the freaking championship. Let's <laughs> let's keep doing what we do. Let's pile the points on, and let's make sure we stay in the premiership, and then the rest of the stuff will just take care of itself. We just we got to have a striker in January. Hopefully, Mike Ashley sees this. Definitely, we well, lost like um, Turkish. You lost to this Turkish lad, are we from the uh, Besiktas? Um, yeah, I saw that, but I heard that as well. Yeah, you, the thing is, it's, it's interesting on that. It's you know they're just trying to say they're going to re- uh, give Mitrovic and then give him some money on top. You know, it, it, it's not just one striker we need. You know, mm. uh, I think the uh, interesting thing for me would be mm. if they, if we try and get uh, Danny Ings, because yes, he's come off. You know, he hasn't been playing for Liverpool, has he? So, and it would not surprise me in the least that they. It, it, but it, it, that's the problem, isn't it? We don't know how much he's going to get if the takeover goes along. We don't know because it's going to be, you know, how much money is it in is it in conjunction with financial fair play? But you know, he's linked with uh, Daniel Sturridge. But I must admit, uh, if uh, if, you, if you're looking to two players, you would think they would go for Sturridge and for Danny Ings. I think I I cannot see him. I cannot if he's still our winner in January. I cannot see any money getting spent. Maybe a loan deal for somebody, Andrew, but. I'll be flabbergasted if he puts anybody yeah. in in January. Like, well, that's honestly, guys, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind a loan deal. Go to oh. France or Spain or something and get a striker yeah. on loan. That would not bother me one bit, honestly. Yeah. If, if Mike Ashley's is still bought okay, and it's not going to go through until the summertime, then so be it. Go get some loan deals. Go get some strikers, and let's keep the team in the Premiership. <laughs> it doesn't do Mike Ashley any good to lose this team to the Championship. He's not going to get. The, the, the price is going to go down. He'll have no choice but to cut the price. So, to me, it just makes good business sense. Yeah, but Chris, do you think um, if you do get relegated, God forbid we don't, but if we get relegated, 
stuff, and he's not going to get that money. He's not going to get that three hundred million pound money sort of thing to get relegated. It's, I mean, Rafa's going to go, and a club could be like worthless. Do you know what I mean? About 100, 120 million the club would be worth. He's yeah, the same no, game here. Yeah. It, 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 he it could all go really bad, really fast. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to. Well, anyway, thank, give me a score line for tomorrow, uh, John. Before we before we end the show. Um. The best go hope for tomorrow, but I'm honest, it's going to be one each on Tuesday, and they're going to get absolutely mullered on Saturday, being on Saturday. Okay. Uh, what do you think, uh, Chris? I am going to say 1-0, and somehow someone scores off a corner kick. Newcastle's going to find somebody to get three points. Uh, what do you think, Lee? 1-1 uh, one, one, one tomorrow night, and we'll beat Chelsea 5-0 on air. So. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> well thanks so much gentlemen well, I'll obviously be a podcast on the show later thanks everybody for coming on we'll catch you next week thanks very much gentlemen cheers lad take care now bye 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 everybody Well, thanks everybody for coming on the show tonight for Toon Talk. Just go to www.toontalk.co.uk and you can listen back to the show and you'll also be on podcast. So just go to um, your uh, regular, uh, regular, I can't believe I lost my word, but just, just go to uh, iTunes and just type in Toon Talk and you'll be able to listen back to them back.